everybody, this is B, And I'm Leslie. And you're listening to Getting Shitfaced, a podcast where two friends across the country from each other get together over drinks and talk about our favorite show, Shit's Creek. This week, we're recapping the fifth episode of season six, the premiere. In this episode, Patrick has his wisdom teeth removed, and in his post-anesthesia state, he tells David that he wants to have a baby with him, which David finds very concerning. But it all works out fine, of course, when Patrick wakes up and they talk it through. Meanwhile, Stevie has a business meeting with Johnny, where he offers to buy out her share of the motel. She stops by later to decline his offer and asks to rejoin the business instead. And everyone in town turns up for the on-again, off-again, on-again local premiere of the Crow and Egg that Alexis has cobbled together. But an attack by the crows she'd rented for the occasion may not be the kind of publicity they were hoping for. Um, in this week's episode, in honor of the Crow's premiere, we are drinking a pretty great drink, the Red Carpet. And this cocktail of vodka, pomegranate, lime, and sparkling wine is just the thing to get you down the red carpet or to nurse you back to health after a crow attack. <laughs> Plus, there's a cherry on top. I feel like Ronnie would really appreciate this drink because she did say that there needed to be booze for the premiere and this one's got some booze to it. It does have some booze to it. It may have a little too much booze to it. We may actually end up like David and Patrick at the (laughs) premiere of the episode (laughs) of the movie. I'm not, I'm not promising that we will be coherent in this episode. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Well, in that case, we should probably just go ahead and dive straight into talking about it before things get too messy. (laughs) so let's start with the cold open so we start the episode with alexis floating the idea to moira of having a local premiere for the crows movie and it uh does not exactly go over very well no it does not but like alexis is really trying here she's she's doing something that seems like a good idea and she's pitching it to moira in a very like moira sort of way i feel like she upped the vocabulary a little for this one right and so she's trying to like be on moira's level in terms of promoting the idea to her yes i love the line the ideation of the idea (laughs) yes (laughs) she is really really selling it this week she is and moira's still not buying it unfortunately She's not buying it, and she's getting some backup from David, just, like, backseat driving, complaining (laughs) in the background. Yeah, he's definitely not helping the situation. He's just full-on playing the, the, like, snotty brother of just disagreeing with everything just because he can. (laughs) Right. And he, they are both not in for it, Um, and it's very... Very interesting what Moira thinks is going to be the different places that they do the premiere. Not just a premiere, but potentially that she is going to put her name in front of Bob's garage and have the Met Gala (laughs) at Rose Apothecary. And I love David also suggesting that Jocelyn would give her an honorary degree from the high school, I guess. It just starts out really strong. I feel like you know from this cold open what this episode is going to give you. <laughs> and it is lots of laughs. Yeah, it's definitely a good cold open. And I love it ending on that that lick rust moment, which is a great like parallel to David's eat glass moment from last season. <laughs> just, just perfect. I love that too. Like She's just a little bit nicer about it. She's like, 
Flick Rust. Thank you. <laughs> this week, I think we also got an interesting question posed almost right off the bat, which is, what's up with Patrick's car? Because <laughs> we get this scene with Stevie having to drive David and Patrick to the dentist so that Patrick could have his wisdom teeth removed. I love that David cons her into it by telling her it's part of her maid of honor duties. Right. Um, but David is... He he says that their car is basically a death trap at this point, and we know they were having problems with it back in the first episode as well. So, what exactly is up with it, with Patrick's car here? <laughs> yeah, is it just like a nice little plot device that they can keep on using throughout the season, or is this like actually going to be like a theme and something that comes up down the line? Is what I want to know. Like, is this something that's going to actually grow over time and be a actual plot device rather? than just a way for them to all get together in one place. Right, yeah, because it could be just that they're getting together this way, like they can have Stevie in the scene with them uh, because of it here. But yeah, he mentions it again, too, later when Patrick's in bed Mm -hmm. about the car there as well. And so I feel like it's got to be building towards something, right? (laughs) Yes, I feel like this is like... They're beating us over the head with it a little bit. <laughs> like, what's wrong with the car? Flashing lights. Um, so we'll see what happens over time. But we did get Stevie driving them to the dentist's office. And we get a really great scene with them talking about um, where Stevie is going with her life. Yeah. And I think that Patrick does a good job of voicing something that we've kind of talked about in the past couple of weeks on this podcast which is the idea that, you know, she would go out and explore things and maybe that's how she figures out she wants to be where she was all along. Um, so the idea that, you know, you have to see what you don't want to do in order to figure out what you do. And we see her sort of coming to that conclusion here that she does want to come back to the motel. Right. I Very interesting is that I actually listened to our last week's podcast recently and we were exactly making the parallels that we they make in the episode between Patrick's um, kind of path in life and Stevie's path in life where he, he makes that in this episode of like, you know, two years ago, I thought I was going to have a wife and kids and here I am now. And like, you have to see what you don't want to know that what you have is what you really want. And I love that um, because that is a reality for a lot of people. They kind of have to get that glimpse of what's out there to know that what they have is what they really want. And I think that that we see that with Patrick. Um, and now we see that with Stevie and that it's not a bad thing that she went out there and tried it. And then it's kind of, she kind of makes it like they're cra- she's crawling back to the motel that really it's that you knew, you now know that that's really what you wanted. And she seemed actually really excited about it. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that she, was trying to play it off like she was cool about it <laughs> that she yeah. she was like i don't want to seem like you know this isn't what i was supposed to do i was supposed to be out exploring and it's weird for me to come back already but it's really not it's if this is what you know you want then this is what you know you want and you know she should embrace that triumphantly which i think she ultimately kind of does by the end of the episode but initially she, she's a little hesitant about i guess what other people will think of it more than anything Oh, yeah. Like, Rashid, you can hear her in her tone of voice that she is so excited that she's going to have this business meeting in, with Johnny. And she's thinking it's going to mean that they're gonna, he's going to, like, beg her to come back. And she's so excited. But at the same time, she's like, I don't want to seem desperate. Right. But 
that's what she wants. And I love that about it, that we now know that Stevie isn't just sitting behind the desk because she wants to, like she's forced to, um, that that's where she wants to be. And I love David's just one quick line in there where he says, what other jobs better than running your own business? Because he gets such pleasure, obviously, out of running his own business. Mm-hmm. And I like that little that little hint that, of just how much he enjoys his job and that he thinks that she could enjoy running the motel just as much. Yeah, and I love that, like, we they don't talk about it a lot, but that kind of hints at it is, like, David went through something similar of, like, finding his place in the world um, career-wise and that he is very happy with where he ended up, that he kind of took a chance on this um, venture and now he's very happy with where he is. I like that that part of Pat, or David is very settled. Yeah. I love how entrepreneurial all of them are at this point. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Johnny is running, has started a business previously, is now running this one with Stevie. Stevie's running this one. David and Patrick are running their own. Alexis is running her own business. Like they're all really capturing that entrepreneurial spirit, which I think really comes from Johnny's influence in a lot of ways too. Yeah. Especially in the small town. Like I think that is a lot of people. I live in a small town and like you do see a lot of people that are always kind of out there just thinking of what can I do in this town to make it better and to make, you know, this like, void where we don't see it uh, here how can we like bring something great to the community and I think they all do that um, in Chiss Creek and they're just making it better over time yeah and so of course we get the business meeting between Johnny and Stevie out of this and I thought that was just such a sweet scene where Johnny doesn't do what Stevie's expecting he doesn't you know, basically beg her to come back, which is kind of what she wants, I think, in one way, because it gives her an excuse to do what she actually wants to do, but also because it's just nice to be wanted, right? But he is really trying to do what he thinks is best for her. And I think that's so sweet. Like, his business partner basically walked out on him. Mm -hmm. And he's still trying to, in this case, buy her out, not for his own good, necessarily, but so that she'll have the freedom to explore other opportunities if she wants to. And then, of course, you know, gives her his book as part of that process as well, which is really, really cute. It's really cute. I love the kind of contrast between the two scenes between Johnny and Stevie in this episode of like when he comes to her apartment, which number one is hilarious. Um, when he's like deciding whether he should sit on her bed or not. But he does seem like very like businessman Johnny there. Like he's cool whatever you want to do. I just want you to be happy. Um, And he seems a little aloof in that scene, um, which he is taken aback by. Um, But when you get to the next scene where you actually, you see real Johnny, Mm -hmm. I feel like where he's like lost without her. And when she says she wants to come back, he's so happy. He is. I think that's the biggest smile we've ever seen from Johnny. Yes, I was trying to think of like bigger smiles and I the only one I could think of like maybe comparable was like David hitting the home run, but he's so happy and that is such a big smile and it's such a contrast to him in that first scene where he's just being like, you know, whatever you want, I just want you to be happy, where that second scene is like what he really wants and what he really feels. 
yeah, he he is a little lost without her. I mean, we see he can't even open files on the computer without her, which was a great gag. Um, yes. But yeah, he just, he's really excited to have her back. And it's clear that he wants her to be part of the business, but he also wants her to be happy. And so this is almost like his kid following in his footsteps at this point. We talk a lot mm-hmm. about how Stevie is basically the third Rose child. And obviously his his kids have followed in his footsteps and like we were just talking about that they've started their own businesses, but none of them have like gone into the family business as you might, you know, normally expect children to want to do or whatever, or fathers to want their children to do at least. Um, so this is sort of like Stevie maintaining her role in what is now the family business. I pause the stream to read what he wrote in the book. And like, it's very much about like, you know, I hope you go out and find your happiness and what you're looking for. And I love that he signs it, your partner, Johnny. And I was like, that partner is is both very cute, but also I feel like that's like just code for dad. <laughs> yeah, like he can't write dad, but so he's going to stick with partner. But he's going to say partner as many times as he possibly can. <laughs> right. He says it late. He even says it later in the episode. But like, it's very like, hey, nudge, nudge come back (laughs) um and i love that it's very cute but it is they have such a wonderful like father-daughter relationship and she she is the third rose rose child at this point that we've seen i think even over this course of this season like they've grown both with johnny and with alexis and with david like she is very much a sibling to them um and I love that that's just kind of escalating throughout this season that she, basically by the end they ha- they need to adopt her like officially. Well, and even in the, the scene at the premiere, which obviously we'll talk about here in a bit, but she says that Moira told her she needed to dress in the suit uh, when it right. tells her she looks like a limo driver. Um, and so even there, like she listens to what Moira tells her, just like one of the kids would at this point. <laughs> Right, I even wrote that down because it's like she's now like the the Rose kids always kind of go along with Moira's like shenanigans, and Stevie is now one of them going along with Moira's shenanigans. Like, if Stevie hadn't been there, like David would have ended up like the limo driver. <laughs> Which thank God that that didn't happen based on how David ended up in this episode. Right? Yeah, but like that would have been what happened so i'm just i'm waiting for stevie's wig training at this point (laughs) to make her official yes yeah (laughs) speaking of rose children (laughs) let's talk about david rose david rose having a little bit of a time in this episode (laughs) i mean he's always having a bit of a time but this time it's running the gamut of things he's having (laughs) It turns out that Patrick, post-anesthesia, is a bit of a handful. He's hungry. (laughs) He's handsy. (laughs) He wants to have a baby. (laughs) He wants to have a baby. Um, He is every possible version of an internet video of someone who's had their wisdom teeth out. All rolled into one person. The only thing missing is like... The people who forget who they are. <laughs> yeah, he's not quite that far gone. He's not quite that far gone, but he's pretty close. He's a hungry, hungry hippo. <laughs> Song of the year right there. <laughs> Song of the year. He's very hungry, makes it known multiple times. Yeah. He wants lasagna. He's tired. And he wants 
a baby. <laughs> Which, I mean, David, we all know, is quite the, let's say, baby-phobe. Um, he is not a fan mm-hmm. of children. Um, and Patrick doesn't seem to have ever expressed any interest in this before. So it definitely catches David quite off guard here. Right. I do like, like, you kind of get from this that they have kind of maybe, like, at least felt this out between each other before. Like, this is not a surprise that, like, David doesn't want kids. I mean, he's made it known that we've seen, but I think they've maybe even talked about it at some point. And so, actually, Patrick is the one where it's like, oh maybe you want this <laughs> type situation. Right. David does say, like, this is a real 180. And so it does seem like they've actually had this conversation. Yeah, it's just, this is just the definitive, oh, hey, we're getting married conversation that they're going to end up having. But I love that, like, there's such a crazy amount of things happening in this episode, or the, in this scene, and one of those is that it's just so funny. It like, is. the whole part of it, um, when they come back, from uh the dentist and i like kept thinking like every episode what is going to be my favorite line and like every one of these lines is my favorite (laughs) from i'm a hungry hungry hippo to the whole sex joke (laughs) i want to know like every draft line that they had even just tell me every possible thing you thought of that Patrick could say in this episode because all right. of them are golden. All of them are great. I want to know what he said in the Uber because <laughs> apparently he was yelling. Um, and so there's just like this very like funny part of this, and they play off each other so well in this scene. Uh, Dan and Noah in kind of going back and forth between this like very very high person and David trying to be the rational one but also being david and like really liking the compliments about his skin (laughs) and apparently he's the jewish channing tatum (laughs) which who wouldn't want to be called that uh and so they do such a good job of that and they kind of build that part of it up and then they kind of sneak in this very serious conversation that i think a lot of people have to have with each other um and so i just love that Yeah, it's a good example of what this show does well. Like, there is a lot of humor to it, but there's also a seriousness to it and a heart to it uh, that you might not otherwise expect, and that probably wouldn't happen if this were a different show. No, I even wrote that down for myself as like, how would this go on a different show? It would not go this way. Um, And I think that this show is, is really good. Like, if you get past the comedy of it, the show and Dan and all the writers are really good about showing you like realistic views of how people deal with conflict. And on a different show, this would be a fight, a breakup. But I know from friends that I have that do deal with this situation where one of them wants a kid, one of them doesn't, or one of them isn't sure that this is kind of realistic and real life. Like you come to these agreements with each other, you think about it and, a lot of times people are like, okay, you don't want a kid, then I'm fine. I'm happy with where we are in life. And I think a lot of shows just want to play up that drama of like either like we're going to break up because this is insurmountable or that they're going to make the other person cave and have a kid. I like that it's clearly something that Patrick doesn't think is a big deal, even though we know that right. David's sort of been fretting over this while Patrick is asleep. When 
David first tells him he said it, Patrick laughs. Like, he thinks it's a joke. Right. Because that's how much he knows that he wouldn't have actually said that. Right. And so I like that they... It's clear from the start of that conversation that they're on the same page, even if David hasn't quite realized it yet. Right. And I also like that, like, even though (laughs) High Patrick makes it seem like this is something he really wants, and really what happened was that he watched Bridget Jones's baby beforehand, and that informed his high mind of what, what he might want. But real life, Patrick is like, oh, I could have one or I could not have that one. It's, it's fine. Yeah, and I think at this point we have to give a shout out to this episode's writer, uh, David Westreed, who is one of my favorite writers on the show. One of my favorite ones, too. Most of the episodes that he writes have exactly what we're talking about here this really great balance of the heart and the humor Mm -hmm. of the episodes and so i just when we knew that he was writing this one i knew we were in for something really exciting and it definitely delivered on that front yes and i think if you don't know david west reed um he wrote pregnancy test what else did he write leslie um he also did family dinner and the affair friends and family um he's the thruple he's done a lot of really great episodes yeah and he's really great and so um one of our friends uh wrote something on the internet that we love that like where can we send david west reed fan mail because like i'm there (laughs) (laughs) i want to just like write him a whole letter about like what he writes um for this show and how amazing it is yeah it's fantastic and I even love the little callback to, I don't know if you noticed it, Leslie, the tiny, tiny little callback uh, to pregnancy tests where David is in the bathroom at the very beginning of the episode and he's putting on what I'm assuming is eucalyptus eye serum. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, having to put it on self in this episode. Yeah, yeah very sad. <laughs> um, but he is really good about finding that humor and that realism in an episode and kind of marrying the two. Yeah, and we and we get this moment at the end of the scene, which is super heartfelt between the two of them, with Patrick talking about David's heart and sort of reassuring him that he's a good person. That this isn't a choice that like he's making because he doesn't think mm-hmm. David would be a good dad or something. That he's it's just a choice that they're making together. Yeah, I, I love that like reassurance, but I also love that David's main concern in the end of this conversation too is that. Patrick isn't holding part of himself back in order to make David happy. And so you get both sides there of them comforting each other and trying to make sure that the other one is taken care of and happy. And and we know they both are, but it's nice to see them reassure each other about that. Right. I really love that moment, both because he kind of like, just like you said, like he reassures David that like, you would be a good dad, not because like, I'm going to be like, you would be a good dad nudge nudge let's do this but like you would be good dad because you're a good person and you have that big old heart but i also love that callback to to patrick because patrick came into this series like he had spent years repressing what he really wanted in life to try to make someone else happy and david wants to make sure that's not happening in this case and it's not so i loved that you get that reassurance in the show yeah this is an, this is another episode where we get that like Patrick Stevie parallel where everyone is trying to make sure that they're doing what makes them happy. Yeah. And everyone's just happy as they should be. That's why we love the show. Yep. Um, I do have to say one more thing and just about this, 
these scenes between the two of them, um, and we'll probably talk about the other ones later, but just like, good job not laughing. Like, you cannot see any like breaks in the scene. <laughs> like, I would have died at Noah's delivery of some of these. <laughs> it's just very like straight faced um, acting on this. So, good job, Dan. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippo, I would have just fallen over laughing. <laughs> And maybe he did the first five takes, uh, but... Finally snuck in a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, then I think that leaves the third portion of this episode for us to discuss, which is the premiere itself. And we start that process with Moira not wanting to do the premiere and then walking into the cafe and discovering that there has been a positive review written about the film and that sort of changes her outlook. (laughs) The ornithology contingent is real (laughs) excited about this movie. (laughs) I love that her first review comes from ornithologists, like not a movie critic, not a fan. Nope. Ornithologists. (laughs) Yep. I'm proud of them for making such a like coherent review of a movie about crows attacking. (laughs) And Moira's very, very ecstatic with what they have to say, what little they have to say about her, but what they have to say about her. And enough that it convinces her that she needs to go to the premiere now. Which I think is really fascinating in that you see that it wasn't necessarily that she thought the premiere was just a bad idea on its own, but that she had some fear there about watching the film for the first time in front of other people who might not like it. You know, she doesn't have the reassurance of having good reviews kind of in her back pocket already to, to help reassure her. And so it's not until she gets this review that she can allow herself to be excited about it. And Jocelyn and Twyla are genuinely super pumped for her. Um, and I think that that helps to, you know, change her mind, too. Yeah, I love that they are so excited. The understated rave from the ornithologist kind of tips her over. Um, the edge to wanting to do the premiere but I think like even if that hadn't happened like Twyla and Jocelyn are so excited that like eventually I think they would have worn her down to at least coming to the the viewing party right as it had become but they are so excited and they're so like happy to like make her feel good about it like Jocelyn being like oh hey access Hollywood (laughs) we have a star here and so it's really fun to see but they are so excited Twyla obviously is always the most excited um and I I'm sad we didn't see Twyla at the premiere to know what, what she thought black tie casual was. <laughs> I mean, I would like to know what black tie casual is as well. Um, but yeah, I, I like how into the premiere the town gets. And yeah. we get to see that not just from them, but also from Roland and Ronnie later on, who are both also very excited about the idea very of the excited. premiere and walking the red carpet in particular. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ronnie is owning that red carpet later on. (laughs) All the kudos to Karen Robinson in this episode. She is incredible. She's killing it in that silver dress that they've got her in. Um, And if you watch the behind the episode, you'll have seen Dan talk about the fact that they put her in a lot of dresses and she looked too fabulous in all of them. Too fabulous. Amazing. Um, Yeah, Karen is absolutely killing it in this episode. I love it. Oh, yeah. I I, I can totally see that she would just kill it in every dress they possibly could have put her in but the dress that she wears is great too and she's just karen so she just pulls it off perfectly 
And then, of course, you got Roland in his nice leather jacket with his mayoral medal or whatever you want to call yes. it. Um, and Jocelyn's there in her dress and, and everybody else is dressed to the nines, obviously, in the Rose family, because, of course, they are. And we'll talk about all their fashion a little bit later. But I love the, how the town like really turns out for it. And, you know, Alexis gets news crews in here like this is actually a big deal. Okay, so Alexis does a really good job at being a publicist in this she episode. Does. Like, like she, she is very Alexis in the cold open. She's using her big words. She has her flip chart paper reading <laughs> off. Um, but I love that moment in the scene with Ronnie and Roland where, you know, they're starting to like bicker. They're starting to talk about like things they want and she just kind of like shuts them down and tells them this is what is happening and you kind of just see her become a real publicist in that moment yeah and she does a really good job like for Shit's creek that's a pretty legit looking red carpet <laughs> yeah yeah she she does a good job of not just shutting down like the negativity that's coming from them and, and the sort of like doubt and bickering of it but also at telling them exactly what she needs from them and appealing to them in a way that makes sense for them when she talks about the mm -hmm. fact that it's going to bring publicity to your town, as she refers right. to it. Um, and so she, she knows what buttons to push in order to get her way, um, which is probably something that she developed in all of her life adventures and stuff, but it obviously mm -hmm. serves her really well here. Um, and yeah, I think this is the first time we've really seen her like fully step into that role. And she's, doing a great job yeah she cannot control what happens with crows <laughs> so minus that part she does a pretty kick-ass job um at this premiere um and i think she gets what she wanted out of it even if it does turn out to be a crow attack on a movie about crow attacks <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean it's not the best publicity for the movie right for there to be a crow attack at the premiere, but it is going to get people talking. And I think that this is probably going to turn out to be a pretty good thing for them. Yeah. And I can definitely see like, just thinking about like real life, like, like the local news is probably going to spin it one way, but I feel like at the Interflix level, like a crow attack at a crow attack movie, that's going to go viral. <laughs> and that's going to actually be really good publicity for the movie. Um, and they can just kind of spin it like, Oh, we meant for that to happen. They were trained attack crows that only attack on right. command. <laughs> so speaking of that that part of the episode, once we kind of get to the actual premiere, there is a lot happening. <laughs> <laughs> One of which, before we even get to the crow attack, is that Patrick is still very high. He's taken some more painkillers and David has joined him. <laughs> They're so funny in this little bit that you see of them in this scene. They're right. both just absolutely out of it. And their conversation with Stevie where she's just like, why are you like this? <laughs> um, it's just so yes. good. <laughs> and I love that like hint of David just like asking all the questions. Like, why are your eyes dilated like that? Why are you dressed like a limo driver? And being so delighted in all the things that are happening. Including the crow attack. <laughs> Including the crow attack. And I love, someone said like, you know, it was kind of sad, but they were like, you know, the roses probably in their old lives were always this way, but now David has just lost all tolerance. <laughs> 
before this. That's probably true. And this is one painkiller in, and he's just as as far gone as he could be. Um, but I just love this like moment between the two of them just being like, "No, you are. No, you are." <laughs> it's very cute. And then on top of that, now you have the crows attacking. And my favorite part of this is Moira thinking that she can speak crow. <laughs> yes, I can speak their language. <laughs> And just literally standing there cawing at them on camera. <laughs> yes. I love that Alexis then goes, I think you're making them more mad. <laughs> I, I also, there, see, there's just so much. We could just laugh about this scene for 20 minutes. Um, right. I love that she also calls back to the movie and says not to look them in the eye. <laughs> yes. And in the middle of all this, like, chaos, people running. Even Moira, like, pulls Johnny into, like, the town hall. Like, David and Patrick are just literally standing there laughing. (laughs) It's just such a scene. (laughs) It's such a great scene. I also, like, there's so many little things about that scene, like, you can pick up on um, that we could, we could have a whole podcast about it. (laughs) We could. Uh, Alexa's standing there on the stairs when she first comes over for Moira to speak and like posing in front of the cameras while Moira's talking and then stopping in the middle of it to tell her that she's going too long so like right. between being very Alexis and and promotional of herself and then switching to her PR job for a second and then switching back like it's just great <laughs> it's so great and then I also love that we have learned from this episode that Patrick is the friend that pretends they're not high <laughs> When Stevie comes over and is like, why are you so glassy-eyed? If you look at Patrick, he's like, he like kind of shakes his head. Like he's trying to be like, oh no, this isn't happening. (laughs) And we all have that friend who's like, oh no, we haven't done anything wrong. (laughs) Which Patrick's the one who at least has the excuse at this point. because Excuse of being this way. And he's the one who's trying to pretend like he's not actually high. At this point. I feel like that's very Patrick. It's very responsible of him. <laughs> yes. That's very. Uh, the, the, he's who I would have tracked as that friend. Um, but there's so much going on in the scene. And I love. Like even if you watch like the background actors. Like what's happening. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's so much to watch. You definitely have to see it like multiple times. In order to pick oh, up yes. on everything that's happening. <laughs> and I have watched it multiple times. So. <laughs> I love that we keep talking about this, but if you follow Schitt's Creek on social media, they've done a lot of like cross promotion with like a fake Interflex account. Yes. Um, which has been really great and had like very cool like behind the scenes like them posing on the red carpet. But they resurrected Wine and Cat Gal eighty seven. Is she eighty seven? Seventy four. Seventy four. So Wine and Cat Gal seventy four. Uh, They resurrected that Twitter account, and she is the person who provided the news with the, uh, like, video. Yes. So if you go to that Twitter account, um, you can see the crow attack from her point of view. (laughs) And it's so great. And then you kind of see them all, like, Moira's trying to run away from it. Patrick and David are just standing there. Um, But it's, like, a different angle. So if you go to that Twitter account. And so I just love that you have this, you do have an immersive experience with this episode, just like Alexis wanted. Yep. Social media team really gunning for that. 
Webby again this year. <laughs> yes. Well deserved. Yes. And I love that, that that's literally like two minutes of the whole episode, but we've just spent like 15 minutes talking about it. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of the actual episode, which means, of course, it is time for our favorite line. So, B, what is your favorite line for this week? I want to, can I have two? <laughs> I suppose. Because <laughs> I have a funny one that, like, very, like, sneaks in at the very end of the episode when they're talking about watching this kind of viral video that's <laughs> come out about the premiere. And they're talking about the crows. And <laughs> Moira just kind of sneaks in when she was like, they were supposed to be trained crows. And Moira says, some of them were painted seagulls. <laughs> and if you missed that, you missed a lot. Um, so that's my funny line of the episode. But my favorite line of the episode, I mean, it has to be this line um, from Patrick after he's talked about why David would be a good parent, not because he should be a parent, but because he's a good person. And he puts his hand on David's heart and he says, you have a big old heart in there, David. There it is. It's beating away. And I just, I love that so much. <laughs> it's just so like overly sincere. It's very Patrick. It's overly sincere. It's overly Patrick, but like I have such a, like love of David Rose and how far he's come and like that is like the like that encapsulate how encapsulates how I feel about David Rose like he's he's come so far from this like sad little person who didn't want to connect with anyone and sat on Kleenexes because he didn't want to touch the bed to this like very loving someone who was taking care of his partner it, with his teeth all messed up and he's not running away when he's talking about having kids. He's really like, he's there and he's going to talk about it. And he is just such a lovely, loving person now. And I love that. Yeah. This doesn't even make sense, but I love him. <laughs> no, it does. It's, we like to joke about how Patrick has loud eyes, right? Right. You know, you can see in his face, everything that he's thinking. And it made me think in this episode, David has a loud heart. He does. Like he loves people loudly. And I I think that this line really encapsulates that. Leslie, I'm like currently like doing David's like I love you face when you said that. <laughs> David has a loud heart. He has a loud heart. And God love him. He just doesn't quite know that he has that yet. And so I love that Patrick is like pushing him to realize that he is a very loving person and i love that we have gotten to this point with this character and that david doesn't really shy away from that at this no. point either it, he he stands there with it just the same way that he sort of like approached this conversation himself too like he was ready and willing to have this conversation like you just see in all these moments just like you said just how much he's grown from where he started mm -hmm. Yep, he literally was running away in the first season of the show, and he is literally standing in this episode waiting for Patrick to wake up to talk about these hard issues. Yeah. And so he he is a real boy now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Leslie, what is your favorite line of the episode? 
I went in an entirely different direction. I did not go for the sappy sentimental lines in this one as much as I love them. <laughs> I gotta say, I was torn. I initially was gonna go with another Roland line this week because, again, Roland keeps throwing out great one-liners. Um, he does. I'm talking about his skinny jeans in this one really got to me. <laughs> but ultimately, I decided that I had to go with yet another prime use of the F-word. I love the way that this show does swearing. Like, I think that it's always perfectly used. Mm-hmm. It's very pointed and they, they don't overuse them, but they don't underuse them. Like, every situation in which they swear is perfect. And this week, I think, is probably like a top five for me. When David and Patrick are high at the premiere and the crows are attacking, and David just goes, This is fucked. <laughs> He's just so delighted. <laughs> yes. And I feel like it's going to be just such a useful gif to have around in like the current world. <laughs> yes. There's so many uses that you, I mean, politics alone, there's many uses for this. Yeah. But I would say this is probably maybe up there with the baby sprinkle fuck. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that this might be one of my favorite uses of fuck. I th- yeah. I cannot think of a better ver- <laughs> like maybe if they let Patrick say fuck <laughs> maybe he would show up <laughs> above it but this one was so great and just the, the like his face at that moment <laughs> yes <laughs> everything about it is is just on point yes this is fucked a motto for the modern times <laughs> um so that brings us to the fashion of the episode which again there's so much going on there is there's a ton of great fashion this week yeah and i think um there's a few things we could talk about but i i think one of the big things we want to talk about is premiere looks in this episode yeah there's a lot of them yeah i mean we i think we talked about this a little bit in our look forward last week um but all four roses are are dressed to the nines here you've got johnny in a great very classic tux and he looks incredible You've got Moira bringing back the dress. The dress. Which I love that the way that they worked out that she still has it is that she sent back instead one of Alexis's Stella McCartney dresses. Right. They made a whole explanation for why she still had the dress. Can't make a timeline, but they can definitely tell you how she still has the dress, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Alexis in that really gorgeous gold St. Laurent dress. Um, and David in his uh, silver sequined D-squared sweatshirt and the, the leather Rick Owens pants. I love that when I saw those in the VSP consignment sale, I was like, oh, they must have never used these because there's no way Dan Levy ever put leather pants on. And there they are. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like I said in the, in the look forward last week, I love that this is his idea of premiere wear. <laughs> I loved that whole look. And I think we should definitely talk about the other premiere looks. But I love that look for another reason. And Leslie, you said I had to talk about this. But he wears it. I think it's like a lovely contrast even when he's having this conversation with Patrick. Um, When Patrick wakes up after being high and they're in the bed and he's wearing this like, it, it almost kind of feels like armor. Like he's ready to go to battle to talk to him. He's like perfectly put together. Right. Um, but for me, it reminded me like he's wearing this very like metallic looking sleeves. And it just like reminded me of the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz. 
And that when Patrick says that about him having a big heart, I just thought, oh, look, the Tin Man got his heart. (laughs) And I just, (laughs) I made myself a little emo on that one. Um, But he is, he's like very put together. He's ready to face the world, but he's also facing this like hard conversation. And someone is telling him that he does have a heart. And I love that that he's dressed like that there yeah that's really good (laughs) that's really good (laughs) yes (laughs) but it also looks pretty great on the red carpet no matter how high he is (laughs) yeah there's like a whole metallic almost theme happening in this episode but in particular here on the red carpet he and alexis and even moira a little bit with the sparkle and the dress and everything they're all very shiny (laughs) in this part right they're very like on point for them and i love the headpiece that moira is wearing she is decked out for this tiny little premiere in her hometown there are a lot of other really great looks in this episode too and like i said there's almost kind of like a metallic theme running through it uh we've got moira in this beautiful silver like lame blouse that she's wearing with i'm obsessed with these leather pants that she has on they're made by rag and bone they're studded just down the front Um, on like ribs basically Mm -hmm. and they look incredible on Catherine. yes if i could pull off leather pants at my age (laughs) let alone Catherine's age (laughs) that would be amazing i love those like they stood out for me because we don't see them anywhere else and so i loved seeing them and like i think she should like maybe we should have a repeat of an outfit because those are killer yeah those are great pants um And I'm wondering if maybe she took those home with her because they were not in the consignment sale. (laughs) Those are definitely something I would take home. And even like Catherine has said, like there was a there was the California fires and she like grabbed some of the wardrobe when she had to evacuate. I would grab those pants. (laughs) 100%. Um, and then we also get like in the opening, the cold open, we get Alexis in this metallic crop top and skirt set made by Zara. Mm-hmm. I just, there were a lot of very like shiny and like premiere esque looks, even in the non premiere parts of this episode. I really like that. I like which we haven't talked about, but Leslie and I talk about this all the time. But I love that the show is able to find stuff that is not designer and that looks designer yeah um and if you pay attention to anything over time in this show there's a lot of there's actually a lot of stuff that's like zara things like rag and bone like that level of fashion they kind of are really good about picking out these things that like can look designer that are not necessarily designer and kind of probably help them keep with within their minuscule budget and it's a great way to build your own wardrobe right you invest in really good pieces that you want whether they're designer or not you invest in these like particular pieces that appeal to you but then you build the rest out with things that are more affordable right and also if you're us too then you can actually afford these things (laughs) to go buy them i may be wearing a zara sweater from the show while we record this right now (laughs) i maybe wore a zara man hoodie yesterday from the show Um, but I love that, like, it's, it's such inspiring fashion on the show. Dan Levy, Deb Hansen, killer fashion sense. Yeah. I mean, it's part of what's made the show what it is, right? It's it's so recognizable in its style. Right. We'll just have to have a whole podcast about fashion. <laughs> 
that brings us to the end of this episode, which of course means it's time to look forward to next week with the episode The Wingman. Um, the official description for this one is that Alexis and Moira deal with the outcome of a viral video, while Johnny helps Bob get back out in the dating world. And on top of that, not in the episode description, but if you saw the promo at the end of this week's episode, you know that David and Patrick's plotline involves my personal favorite townie, Jake. <laughs> I am so excited to see Jake again. <laughs> Jake is back. <laughs> He's back and he's jakier than ever. <laughs> His shirt is lower than ever. His shirt is lower. He's hitting on not only David, but also Patrick now. Like, I am so excited for this episode. I am really excited. And I love how there's nothing about him in the description. No. So who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Is he just in one scene? Does their whole plot line involve around this? I don't know, but I'm very excited to find out. Yes, I'm, I have lots of questions already. <laughs> <laughs> but I love just that little bit we get of Patrick's reaction, because obviously he has made a table that Patrick now owns. And I mean, Patrick obviously must have known that when he bought it from him, but probably didn't expect him to show up and kiss his fiance again. <laughs> I, don't know, I, feel like, I feel like if you knew four seconds worth of Jake, you would expect that. But I mean, we know that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm so excited to see Jake in their house, too. Like, yes. it's like they can't get away from him. He's there. <laughs> yes. There is no, like, like he can leave with Stevie this time. It's it's Jake is in your house where you live, right in front of your face, hitting on both of you. Um, and I love that just that little clip of Patrick's reaction that we get to being hit on. It's just perfect. I'm so excited for it. Yes, I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm excited to see what happens with the other plot lines in this episode, because one of which I think we've had in... I'm assuming we've had in some of the other promos where Moira makes the video about the town or something and she says some not great things. Um, and so I think something happens with that video, um, good or bad, that becomes viral. Um, and we'll see how the, the fallout from that maybe in this episode. Yeah, I'm actually curious if that's the viral video or if it's just a continuation of this week's premiere video. Right. There's multiple viral videos in this season. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that maybe Moira could be making another video there to like try to do some some like smoothing the edges of things somehow. Um, and so she and Alexis maybe get an idea to make another video about the town and things like that. And that also goes wrong. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, we'll see. We'll see what video it is and what happens with it. I'm excited for that. But I'm also very excited to see johnny helping bob get back in the dating world i'm i'm glad we're not like yes. totally skipping over any more bob plotline i'm glad it's circling back around here the idea of johnny as bob's wingman is is a good one right if you told me before this that i would be really excited for a bob plotline <laughs> throughout the season um i wouldn't have known so this is definitely one of those things where it's like you didn't know you wanted this storyline but you're glad you're here <laughs> I just want to know, like, what is Bob's idea of date wear? 
because we already we've seen yes. the leather suit. So like, is it coming back? Is it coming back? <laughs> or parts of it? You know, does he want to maintain the bad boy persona as he goes out and tries to find a new Gwen? I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm definitely know. curious to see where it goes. Where are they going? <laughs> is the wobbly elm the place where Bob gets finds love? I don't know. But I want to know. I mean, if it's where Stevie picks up randoms, does Bob hang out with the same crowd? <laughs> like, I, I have a lot of questions. I have so many questions. Maybe. No, I won't even say that. I won't even say if Stevie and Bob find love. That's weird. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's not good. <laughs> There's a crossover there. Um, <laughs> Stevie and Bob find love separately. <laughs> maybe Jake and Bob find love. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, Jake is an equal opportunity himbo. There was a reason they brought him back. <laughs> you you do you, Bob. Anyway. <laughs> we said we were going to get a little off the rails by the end of this one. I think we've made it there. Just so you all know, the drink this week is very strong and you should drink it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're like me, you should have two. <laughs> Because we said, because of the people in this episode being under the influence for most of it, we should be as well. So, <laughs> here we are. Leslie, do you have anything to add to this week or next week's episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that we've uh, run the gamut on this one. We have run the gamut on this one. Um, so yeah, so that is this week's Getting Shitface podcast, where we may have lived up to our actual name. Finally. <laughs> Finally. And you should definitely check us out on Twitter and Instagram. We're at shitfacedpod. And if you want to find us personally, you can find me on Twitter at Brandy and Indy with an I. So Brandy with an I. And Leslie, where can people find you? And you can find me at Leslie the Baker. Um, and definitely be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts helps more people find the episodes and the podcast. Maybe don't review this episode and how <laughs> sloppy we are. <laughs> or do. I don't know. <laughs> or do. I mean, come on, guys. You knew what you were getting into when you came to a, a podcast called Getting Shitfaced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's it for this week. Take care. Bye. Bye.